Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Chia Dachi, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, everyone. Good to have your company here on Tales of Teaching Online podcast. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Olivia Millard, um, who is a lecturer in arts and performance in the School of Communication and Creative Arts at Deakin University. Uh, welcome, Olivia, and thanks very much for sharing your story with us today. Thanks for having me. So um, to get us started, I'd like to touch on the kind of context and who you are as a teacher. And you've been teaching at Deakin for some time now, but this year has been obviously quite a different experience for many, but especially uh, for you too, given the kind of uh, teaching practice that you have. Um, so which is a very practice-based discipline where that uh, embodied experience is a um, critical component. So could you give us a bit of context as to what you teach and how this practice changed this year so far? Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I'm in the art and performance group or I'm a lecturer in art and performance in the School of Communication and Creative Arts. My um, discipline area is dance, although I do work across all of the disciplines in the art and performance area. Um, so I teach in the Bachelor of Creative Arts in Dance, so the undergraduate degree in dance, um, and I'm also the course director of the Bachelor of Creative Arts Honours and the Master of Creative Arts. So I teach um, in both of those areas, so it's quite um, a broad, uh, I guess, teaching practice that I have. Mm. So this year I've been teaching dance technique, particularly, I guess, in the... Um, uh, Bachelor of Creative Arts and I also teach in a dance composition unit in that undergraduate degree um, and I also chair the um, the units that contain the creative research projects for both the honours students and the mm. master's students. Mm -hmm. So quite a range of courses that you teach in both undergrad and postgraduate as well. And I think one of the really important and interesting aspects of your teaching practice is that idea of embodied learning experience that is inherent to things like art and performance. Uh, and you do this normally in a classroom with your students in a studio. Um, so what's really happening in these moments? Why are they important? And how did you try to do that in online environments? Uh, if you could give us a couple of examples where people get a sense of what happened, that would be great. Okay, great. So um, a dance technique class, I guess it's really about kind of conveying embodied information. So um, a dance class in the studio is usually probably as people would imagine that we... Um, we have uh, warm-up um, exercises and then we kind of gradually move through the body and we do um, dance material, which as a teacher I would um, generate or kind of create the material Then I would teach it in the class and then through that material we kind of look at both um, uh, technique things to do with um, body alignment but also compositional things to do with how you organise the body, how you might kind of uh, choreograph dances, how you understand your weight. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it's, uh, it, it is very much embodied and, and what I often imagine when we're teaching or I guess it's kind of my experience that this is the case that um, 
there's a lot of information that's transmitted directly from body to body. Mm. Um, and I kind of, I guess I consider it's not kind of mediated cognitively. So I might kind of um, demonstrate something, say like a kind of a fall and a kick and a lean. And um, uh, while I would describe that and I would kind of give information about perhaps it's rhythm or what, which part of my body I'm leading with, um, there's a lot of information that just through kind of both seeing but also standing next to me in a way that um, a dance student would kind of take that up in their body. Mm. So um, uh, I guess that's not really there when we're doing that online. So we've had to find ways to um, share that information really, I guess, through, through the screen. Um, so there are a few things and I think what's been really fantastic for me is that the students have really been kind of very generous in um, trying out ideas and being patient with me as I've tried to um, figure out how to make sense of how to teach. Mm -hmm. um, one of the first things I had to do was, um, so we would often say, so I step on my right foot, I lean with my left elbow. Um, so I had to switch my body around. So usually I would often teach um, facing the same way as the students, if that makes sense. So I would kind of face the front and they would stand behind me facing the front. So then they do it the same. If I step on my right leg, they also step on their right leg. But because I, I kind of my back to them with the computer screen, because they wouldn't hear what I'm saying. So I had to swap the sides of my body. So I've had to kind of rename my right side, my left side and um, vice versa, which actually after teaching dance for 20 years, it's been an incredibly kind of different um, or a challenging scenario. And I can't imagine when we get back into the studio, I think I'll probably never know which side of my body is which <laughs> ever again. Um, so the students have been kind of really patient in that way. And we've done things like we've kind of adapted um, uh, ideas from all different places. So we've named the corners of the room. So usually, of course, you would just point, I'm going to face this way and step in this direction. So we've named also numbered the corners and the sides of the room. And I have to number mine in an anti-clockwise direction and they number theirs in a clockwise direction. So then we always know, ah, oh, we're all facing corner eight here. And then on the screen, that means we're all, you know, however many people in the little squares in the Zoom are all kind of facing in the same direction. So mm. um, all sorts uh, of directions and pointing new um, regime that we had to introduce both for you and the students as well. Yeah, and, and I think one of the other things is that what happens a lot in dance is I think we kind of say, oh, dance, you can't really, you know, you can't reveal it in, in words too much. It's its own thing and that's kind of almost one of the, and it's ephemeral, you know, it disappears in the moment that it comes to life and that's kind of one of its unique qualities but, and one of the things I say, particularly in creative practice research um, or in dance research, that one of our jobs is to kind of re reveal our experience of dancing through words, whether that's verbally or in writing. Um, and I often talk with um, postgrad students about that. And what's been really great is that we've had to do that. So a first year student has had to say to me, so I'm stepping here and where is my pelvis and how am I, I, am I organizing this? because we can't see details enough in the body to be able to, um, through the screen, to be able to um, make real sense of that. So we've had to really articulate what's going on in our bodies. And I think that's been um, really useful, actually. Yeah. So it's kind of even more explicit articulation of what's going on in the body than otherwise people might have thought. But I do kind of feel that and just my experience of going to the theater and things when dancers express themselves 
in dance and the movements, there is that sort of body language that is electric and just in the moment type of um, communication. But in these areas of online learning and teaching, you've got to be creative about expressing and using different types of language. And it sounds like you have come up with lots of different modes of communication you can use with students, which is really interesting. So I'd like us to talk a little bit about the better attendance and participation that you've been observing um, this trimester, even more so than what you had in the class, uh, classroom environment. Um, students are attending your synchronous classrooms even more. And what do you think is happening then? What's um, triggering this phenomenon? Well, um, I think uh, one of the things about dance is um, you always feel better at the end of class. So, um, uh, uh, say if we have a morning class so we usually have morning classes and if students are struggling with their um, kind of motivation or participation I think on campus sometimes it's hard for them particularly I don't know towards the second half of the semester it's a bit hard to get out of bed get going if they're tired they're working um, and those who you know make it to class always feel um, better afterwards everyone's cheerful after um, a, a dance mm -hmm. class um, and I think that's partly because of the physicality. I think everyone understands the kind of generation of whatever they are, endorphins that um, make you feel better. But there is also, I think there's something about participating in um, a socially engaged activity that isn't, um, uh, that's not its kind of main aim, if that makes sense. But nevertheless, we're kind of participating, we're sharing um, in that activity. And what's been quite beautiful for me in this um, situation is, I think a lot of the students really are struggling, particularly the dance students, because they're so used to, um, uh, you know, um, being able to kind of um, get their bodies moving and um, take um, or participate in various um, performance or other activities that they haven't otherwise been mm -hmm. able to do. But um, uh, so there's been kind of a really um, a nice little community that's formed. So there's uh, I've been teaching first year te technique classes and some of these students haven't even met each other in person yet, mm -hmm. but it's quite a small um, group. And I feel like um, these students have really found that this, because we have three technique classes a week this trimester, that they've really felt like um, attending this really regularly has kind of given them a little community that they otherwise may not have had. And um, that feels really um, important and special. Um, and I do think that um, perhaps the online nature of that has, has ma made that a little, little bit easier. So perhaps when there are times when they might, for one reason or another, might not have been able to attend, they are attending. Um, and the other side, of course, is that the dance classes are giving them this um, uh, positive experience. Yeah. So um, that's probably really kind of supporting them through their other study I imagine mm. and that's fantastic to hear especially in the metropolitan Melbourne city area where our um, exercise and interactions that we can have outside of our homes are limited the fact that they can stay in their own home come to your class and not only learn about the dance, but also get the physical activity done. And that gives that hormone and endorphin and whatnot to um, improve their um, mental well-being, but also physical well-being, which is really fantastic. Um, so next um, topic that I would like us to touch on is around assessments. 
And we talked about this disciplinary area being, again, um, based heavily on the practical learning, um, experiential learning component. So have you had any uh, specific thoughts about redesigning your assessments? And can you uh, share a couple of examples how you worked around um, the assessment design? Yeah, sure. So I've got a few <laughs> examples. Um, one is of a student who's actually just finishing off a Bachelor of um, Education with dance as her um, kind of teaching major. And interestingly, this student um, is in Western Australia. So she's been able to, so she would have been, of course, on campus in Melbourne um, had we been um, uh, on campus. But because she's, um, uh, she's from um, Western Australia originally, she's been able to stay over there. So... Um, uh, an assessment task or in this kind of a composition unit that we um, uh, have uh, run for several years, um, what students would usually do is have a particular task um, with a theme and the task would be to do, um, to generate a dance or a dance sequence or kind of a dance artifact of some kind in relation to the theme. So um, the particular example that um, I'd like to tell you about is um, we were looking at um, kind of political art or activist art um, and how you could think about making um, a dance that might um, consider or um, interrogate a particular um, political or um, uh, social idea. And so this student was was actually in Broome. So usually what she would do, what they would do is the students would work with each other in class, in the studio, and then they would present that work, um, usually either by themselves or with some other members of the class, they might work in a group. Um, but what happened was, um, because this student was in, in Broome, she was able to work with um, a group of dancers, um, secondary school dancers, and she spent a whole day working with them, looking at a the idea of their identity um, and then with them she um, she made a dance and and filmed it and these students um, uh, her students work really kind of heavily contributed to the work so what that did was um, instead of I guess kind of keeping the the task fairly reduced in terms of what she could do this student could both um, I guess um, explore the, the political or the social idea that some um, people in her community wanted to, to look at, but also she could um, work directly in the context that she will be planning to work in her future. That's it. That is, she wants to mm. be a, a dance teacher in a school, so she could directly work um, in that community. So it's actually much more um, kind of applicable to the work that she would do, much more, I guess, um, work integrated. And so we never really have um, been able to offer that because the students do the work kind of in the studio. In Melbourne, yeah. yeah. So it kind of gives more options for students to include and practice what's authentic to them and then bring back their context into the learning and, con learning and teaching context, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, so maybe the last question we finish on, Olivia, is around what you might take with you after all of these experiences that you had this year, um, given that, you know, previously you had little experience to teaching online, but you have had lots of lessons learned and experiences this year. What sort of, you know, silver lining are you taking forward post or COVID normal era? 
And what kind of things do you think you leave behind? Um, well, uh, one particular thing that has been really incredible is um, student presentations in the honours and postgrad areas. So um, we have a couple of sessions. So um, in those um, units that I was talking about in which students undertake creative practice, we have a couple of sessions in each trimester in which the students present their work. And these are students from, from dance, from drama, visual arts, photography, visual communication design, animation. So all of these students come together and they um, present their work in um, one form or another and they give it some kind of background and talk about their research question. Mm -hmm. And so we have all of the supervisors of those students in those sessions. And um, where possible, we ask as many um, other academic colleagues to attend the sessions as we can. And each student has an opportunity to present about their work. Um, in the past, these, those, the timing of that has been very tight. So if we have 21 students, for example, presenting over four hours, you can imagine that's not very much time for each student. And, and we really try to get some time for feedback to be given by um, academic staff members who aren't the supervisor of the student. So they get some extra feedback. Mm. But what's been really um, great in the Zoom session is we've really been able to utilize the chat. So um, in one day where the 21 um, honours students were presenting their work, each student received feedback from probably about five different academic staff members and not just um, you know, uh, kind of, it was good or not, but much more, have you read the work of this person? Have you looked at this artist? And also um, putting uh, links and resources into the chat, which in the past, um, so someone would say, have you read this, you know, this author? And the student would be quickly trying to scribble that down and then that might have been kind of lost or they might get their spelling wrong or they don't find the link or so mm. that information has been so beautifully captured and then of course we just save the chat and then provide it for the students um and and but usually there just isn't enough time as well for each person to talk so the students receive far more feedback and far more kind of um targeted supported feedback than they ever would so mm. we are definitely going to find a way when we um, do come back onto campus and if we have those um, presentations live, I'd really like to find a digital way to um, interact at the same time um, so that we can make that um, continue to have that really kind of excellent interactive feedback. Um, yeah, and that's, again, amazing, going back to the idea of different forms of communication, allowing more options for students and teachers to contribute as well. But it, this case is a form of feedback that is going to, actually improve students practice and um, develop them further um, fantastic um, and things that you might leave behind and things that you might um, go back to yeah um, so I definitely would love to be back in the studio dancing with the students um, and allowing the students to dance and have their own space and um, actually to be safe as well, because a lot of them are dancing on tiled floors. So that's, I guess, that's the mm. thing that I feel that we have missed the most in this time is, is actually being able to um, work in a purpose um, built space. And we do have amazing dance studios at Deakin. So the students are really um, lucky or we're all really lucky. So I guess that's one thing that I really look forward to getting back to. Um, but one thing I guess that I would like to keep is, uh, I guess from my point of view, 
trying to be a bit more imaginative about what kind of work the students could make in their um, mm. uh, creative situations. So, um, for example, in the honours area, the um, dance and drama students who would have made live work but now have to um, generate digital artefacts, um, that I would have imagined if I thought, okay, so we're going to have to um, submit the work digit digitally, all the students are going to, that what they would do is kind of try and make a work in their homes and then uh, capture that in video and then submit the video. But what they've done is far beyond that. So they've really started to use video to kind of play with the way work might be made. So playing with time and playing with um, editing in a way that kind of really shifts the work. Um, uh, kind of playing with situations, how the format in which a work might be um, submitted. So not just a video, but say, for example, one student's made a series of really, really short YouTube videos that kind of sits alongside some writing. So the kind of formats and the form that the work are taking are just much broader than they have been in the past. And I really love the way that has um, creatively enabled, I guess, the students and their kind of research and their work. Mm. I have seen some of your students' work um, on the blog post or the video that you have done. And for the listeners too, if they can have access to that video, have a look. It's amazing kind of creativity coming out of the students using the digital tools um, and the modality of it all, um, encompassing all that original thinking, all that articulation of their identities and so forth. I thought that was really amazing and that is the affordances of the digital isn't it <laughs> yeah and it's like none of us even knew that we could do that or I mean mm. I'm sure some people do but you know like uh, so much more open because we were forced into it if that makes mm. sense mm. and I'm beginning to think that the digital learning or the opportunities to go with that is about experiences that are otherwise impossible so we always think of the, you know, face-to-face -face being the primary modes of learning. But when that's taken away from us, there are other affordances that we can really think and actually create the experiences that we never have on, on campus or in person otherwise. Um, fantastic. Um, Olivia, that's all the questions that I had for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention before we finish up? Um, the only thing really is just that the students have been amazing. I, 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 I'm constantly surprised at how much they have been resilient and kept working and found ways when, you know, it seemed like all was lost, they kind of turn around and find another way to um, tackle a situation. And, and that's kind of been what's kept me going, actually, the amazing students. And it does sound like you have a really good group of students really enjoying the learning with you. But I would say the same thing for you being such a great teacher, taking on all the initiatives that you have done this year and making them to be really positive experience for yourself um, and your students through this crazy challenging time that we've faced this year so um, congratulations to you too Olivia and thank you so much for sharing your story today and um, we really appreciate it thank you thanks for having me